All right, boys. We love to do the picks, right? We have a whole episode dedicated to it. And for very good reason, because all three of us are above 500 this year, which shout out Corey, first undefeated week in Big Show Pod history, right after we both ridiculed him for being the worst picker on the team, on the show. Um, but I have a pick that I want you guys to make, okay? Me and Kimberly, we are officially on baby watch. The official due date of this baby is October 20th. All right? October 20th. She was two weeks early with Parker, and she came early with Wells. So I'm setting the over-under at five and a half days from today. And you two are going to pick, does she go over or under Alex? You just had a baby. We start with you. I did. Well, my wife did. I helped a little bit. Five and a half days. So we're going October 16th. Basically, in between October 16th and 17th is the line we're kind of placing here. Well, it would technically be the 15th and the 16th because today's the 9th. Yeah. Okay. So 15th and 16th. All right. I am going to say, I'm going to say under. I think, I think Kimberly's body is going to do what it does. I don't think it's going to, you know, move away from, from what it's done in the past. You know, listen, if if I was talking about a football team like this, you know, we know what Kimberly does. We know what Kimberly's about when it comes to, to baby birthing. We know what she wants to do. Okay. And so I don't see anything stopping her. I don't see any opponent coming in here and keeping her from from putting forth the game plan she wants to execute. I'm going under five and a half days. Uh, two questions. Does this count uh, for our uh, official uh, tally? Because I want to know. Because I will I will answer this question in in with that in mind. And then. I need you to answer this question as if the answer to that question is yes. Okay. Um, Then I will say, you know what? I'm going to go over. Why not? You know what? I'm going to, we're just going to, we're going to stir the pot here a little bit. You know, this is when, this is when pedal hits the metal. Okay. I, I was the third child in my family and uh, I was a tub of lard. I was 10 pounds and six ounces. Um, and I was not early. Um, and I believe my other sisters were so like, there's just something that happens with that third kid. I don't know. He's just, just hanging out and trying to do his thing. And, you know, mom couldn't really do anything about it. So, (laughs) so, so the way I'm, the way I'm seeing this is Alex, you're going mom route. Corey, you're going baby wants to chill route. Okay, so you guys are you guys are handling this on opposite sides. I like this. I like the I like the argument. I like the back and forth. I, I I'm very up in the air right now. I, I I really do feel like it could be any day, but at the same time, it's like you just you're constantly in that prepared state. 
so it's it's a little weird. I won't I won't pick. I'll leave it I'll leave it to just the two of you. I won't pick it. I'll leave it to just you guys, but I love it. I absolutely love it. Ethan, you get Kimberly in here right now and you make her make this pick. She would take the over just because like Alex said, she uh or I'm sorry, like you said, Corey, like she she wants she wants more stuff to get done and everything, so she wants more time, of course. Well, if you love babies and Big Ten football, then you came to the right place, everybody. Welcome to Big Banter. If you're new here, make sure you like and follow wherever you're listening because you don't want to miss the episodes we're coming out with. We're giving you everything Big Ten football, and it's going to be great. If you're on the socials, follow us on Instagram and threads at B1G Banter. And then on Twitter or X, whatever they're calling it these days, at B1G Banter Pod. Corey, Mr. 10 pounds, 6 ounces of all calf, why don't you uh, why don't you say something to the listeners? You know, I'm going to say something to the listeners in, in a second because uh, I think I've earned my flowers here because I wasn't even present on the podcast. And you guys are ridiculing me, saying I don't know how to pick games, saying if you want to lose money, you go listen to Corey, which, number one, I was at 500. So if anything, everybody like the classic Corey punchline, we were pushing. And number two, I, I had to hear that while editing the podcast. And I just, I got to the perfect time and it was just like, yeah, Corey sucks. And you know what? I just pull out the Hail Mary of all Hail Marys and I make you guys look like a bunch of chumps. And now I have the title of first ever perfect week. So screw you guys. You could have made a lot of money if you were listening to my picks. But number two, to all the fans out there, if you ever feel like you're down and out, like all your friends are making fun of you, like you've made every single pick in the exact opposite direction, hey, never give up because big banter is an underdog story and we're going to lift you. You're going you're gonna to get it one of these days and you're going to be on top. So thank you to the underdog listener we make this show for you. Oh, I love it. I love it. We've got a jam-packed show. We will be reviewing week six, including the biggest matchup, which was Ohio State and Maryland. We've got uh, matchups coming up in week seven, which will be on our next episode, our picks that we mentioned. And we're closing out today's episode. I didn't even tell the boys this before we hopped on here. With a little closing argument, I've got a debate to toss out to the people about Michigan State's head coaching vacancy. So we'll talk about that when we close it out. But we got to get into the games. Week six was highlighted in the Big Ten by Ohio State beating Maryland 37-17. to Ryan Day gets his 50th win as a head coach, and he did it in the second fewest games ever. He did it in 56. Um, this game... Let me give you the high stuff. Talia did not have a great game. He threw two interceptions. One was a pick six. Marvin Harrison did his thing at 163 yards and a touchdown. Kyle McCord, I think in my opinion, had his best game as a Buckeye, 320 yards and two touchdowns. But this game, you know, you, if you were box score watching, you think, oh, man, Ohio State really came out and made a statement against a Maryland team that should have been ranked, that was undefeated. Did not feel that way watching it. Did not look that way watching it. At least to me. I don't know. That's my opinion. Uh, Corey, let's let's toss it to you first. What did you see watching this? 
but from Maryland and probably more so Ohio State going forward. I'll keep it real brief. Let's just start with Maryland. Uh, It it was the tale of two halves. I mean, truly, because Maryland was the team in the first half that we had talked about for weeks. Like, don't sleep on this Maryland team. They're really athletic. They're, you know, they're playing good ball right now. You know, they're clicking on all the cylinders. And honestly, they played very well for most of this first half. Um, But I, I... the decisions that Loxley was making the majority of this game that uh, tag of Iola, he's going to have, you know, his ups and downs, but like you are on upset alert and you are not upset mode going into the horseshoe. Like you got to be on your a game. And it's almost like Loxley was overthinking just about everything. You got a very rare mistake from the Ohio state Buckeyes with that fake punt that went absolutely nowhere that led to your first score. Ohio State forever was a team that did not shoot themselves in the foot. That's what made them great. They literally refused to make the mistakes that were backbreaking for them. And that first that play in the first half was one of those plays. And still, they got they got seven points handed to them practically. And still, Maryland just kind of was like, like they they had it in their hands and they didn't really know what to do with it, and they completely fumbled it. Uh man. I was just, I was dumbfounded. It looked like two separate teams playing this game as opposed to first half Maryland and second half Maryland. And I was shocked because I think the majority of the country was like, Ohio State didn't play that well. Um, And they still ended up basically, I mean, it was a push at the end of the day from the opening line. Um, But Ohio State didn't play that well and ended up winning by 20 points, which how impressive is that per se? But that that has, to me personally, it has way more to do with exactly where we started this conversation, which was the way that, first of all, the way that Maryland played in the first half. It's like the game went in tied at 10, and it felt like the, the score of that game should have been Maryland up by at minimum 14 points. Like there is no way they should have been in that situation i'm i mean talia just making mistake after mistake after mistake and he made obviously the crucial error on that throw across the middle he just he is who he is at this point he's 0-10 in his big 10 career against ranked opponents he has not beaten a single ranked team and he in those games he's thrown more interceptions than he has touchdowns. That's who that's who Talia is. Like we know at this point. Um, I mean, in the end, in the second half, the game definitely got away. Uh, but I was very underwhelmed by how Ohio State played in that game. Uh, it, it just you're at home. It felt like a game where you really could have staked your claim as a super dominant team. And it never felt that way. Even when the game did get away from Maryland, it felt more like Maryland shooting themselves in the foot than it did Ohio state taking it away. So I don't know. I think it was just more of a tale of Maryland just kind of taking that step backwards. Like it feels like they do every single year that Talia has been there. 
when they're like, oh, 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 and then they just fall back on their face. And it, it you know, for Maryland fans, it sucks. But if you're an Ohio State fan, I think what you take away from this game is you're very glad that you won. What's it going to look like when we play Penn State? What's it going to look like when we play Michigan? That's that's what I would be thinking as an Ohio State fan. That's just the way I process things. It's as a Michigan fan, and we'll get into that later. That's exactly how I'm processing, you know, Michigan's win over Minnesota. Okay, how is that going to look going forward? So we'll get into that later, but that's kind of where I'm at with this. Great moments are born from great opportunities. That's what you had here, Maryland. That's what you earned here, Maryland. And you went out there and you took a big, fat, soggy dump that just ran down your leg. It was embarrassing. I could not believe what I was watching from Talia. Now, I didn't know what what Ethan just said. That's a very telling stat about Talia. Because I expected, like I think most people probably expected, that Maryland would have the quarterback advantage in this game. And I thought to myself, if you're going to upset a football team that's, you know, has superior talent and is at home, you got to have two things. You got to have really good quarterback play. You can't turn the ball over and you need some bounces to go your way. Okay. That's how you pull off an upset like Maryland was trying to do on Saturday. Talia cost them a total of 13 points directly, directly attached to decisions he made. And here's how we get to that. He threw a pick six. The second interception he threw, Ohio State had a short field and kicked a field goal. And then right before half, the clock is winding down and Maryland has no timeouts left. They decide to run one last play before halftime when they're in the red zone. And Talia throws it short of the first down marker, completes it, Clock runs out before they can spike it and they can't get the field goal team out there. But isn't that a Loxley decision though, too? I mean, yes, like uh, I I agree. No, I it's gotta be I on both. I don't, I don't. I I I one thousand percent disagree. That guy is running that route, and you know that as a quarterback in that play, Loxley can't make that decision for you. Guys run those routes all the time on plays where they're not actually an option. That happens all the time. That is 100% on the quarterback. Talia is bad. When it comes to big-time games and big-time decisions, he's bad. He's proved it time and time again. I'm not I'm not ragging on the kid in the sense that it's like, you know, he's a bad kid or whatever, anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. When it comes to football decision-making, he has proven to us he's not good at it especially in crucial situations. The throw over the middle of the field that got intercepted, throwing into that coverage is a sin. It's a sin. You cannot, you, that is the one thing. It is so much better to punt in that situation. Your defense had been playing outstanding to that point. The one thing you cannot do is turn the football over. And that's what he did. And then he did it Again. But that's not a punting situation. They were clearly in field goal range. You're on the road and you're trying to upset. Oh no, 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 no! I, I'm talking about the interception. That that was more related to the interception. Okay, because we were we were originally through for the pick. Six. We were originally talking I about know. the play at the end of the half because when he threw, that's on that's on you as a quarterback. Well, you have to be aware. Regardless, but 
regard regardless of who it's on, like whether Loxley said to not throw it short, one of the two of them has to know with one hundred percent certainty that that's not the throw. You can't you and, can't put your quarterback in that situation. You're on the road. You need the points, and you get the ball back at halftime. You would have had the lead coming in at half, and then you would have had the ball back. That changes play calling for the the entirety of that first drive, wouldn't you but think? It show, it, 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 I, yeah, but in terms of not putting your quarterback in that situation, it just it just shows a complete lack of awareness and situation from Talia that just making 100%. the throw in general, making but, that throw exact that real quick. I'm so sorry. That's good. my entire point. Making that throw period is just zero it's just like i'm gonna relate it to something else that happened over the weekend the miami head coach calling for a run play when they could have kneeled out the game listen just real quick i know that was absolutely mind-numbing that is regardless of what happened to the players on the play players play right players play and he fumbled it's terrible for the kid his coach put him in a position where there was a zero win scenario. Zero. Talia put his team in a position where it was zero win. Either that guy drops the pass and then they get to kick a longer field goal. There's only one option on that play and it's to throw it to the end zone. Agreed. Maybe to the sideline. But that that. That route is not, if you're a quarterback, that route's not an option. And the thing is, Corey, it's not like Loxley's just going to call like four go routes. Like he, he's going to try to run a route that pulls the linebackers down so that gives people space. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say you have to take the points in that situation. There is no other option had, in my opinion. But they had time to run one more play. They were trying to take the points. They barely had they time had, I think to they run. had 13, I no, think they had it 13 was less. seconds. It was less. Regardless, if it's an incomplete pass or it's a first down, you have plenty of time because the clock would have yeah. stopped. It's under two minutes. When the guy went down, there were still seven seconds. No, left. it was if less. If the clock stops until they're it, six seconds. There was seven seconds at but, the start of that play. But because they because get the first sh- down. Because it was short of the first down, the clock ran. If he throws it beyond there and it's caught, Clock stop. Right, I get that. But you again, like the Miami situation, you have to realize if you run a play like that, there is a possibility that you're gonna be short and something bad is gonna happen at the very But you have a senior quarterback. You have a senior quarterback and you have the game one with thirteen seconds left. I mean, this is, we're we're doing apples and oranges here, but I at least give me a a better opportunity to get points in that situation. I would have called. I would have called a play one hundred times out of a hundred if I'm coaching that team in that situation. I'm calling a play, but regardless, thirteen points that you can directly attribute to decisions that Talia made. And now let's get to Ohio State, okay? Because they're the ones who have things to play for and have expectations to play for going forward. If I would have, I'm gonna, I'm going to give you some key stats from this game, okay? For Ohio State, they allowed three sacks in this game. They averaged 1.9 yards per carry against a Maryland rush defense that came in 42nd in the nation. They went three for 12 on third down and they committed 10 penalties. If I told you that and and they were playing Penn state and they were playing Michigan and they were playing a Maryland team that didn't shoot themselves in the foot constantly, they're losing that game 10 times out of 10. 
Like Maryland had plenty of opportunities to win this game. Even in the second half, they still had opportunities, but their secondary was practicing social distancing. I mean, Marvin Harrison and Emeka Abuka and Cade Stover had zero, zero Maryland defenders within like five yards of them. Yeah, there was there was a couple of times where it felt like Kyle McCord in big situations made some big throws. But aside from that, like the the Ohio State run defense felt like it, it was just it felt like they were getting gashed. And it was against a team who doesn't run the football well in Maryland. Their offensive line play, their run blocking, not great. And you were going to play two of the best teams at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball in the country. That is who's left on your schedule. Just real quick, because you guys know I love what Vegas has to say about games. So, of course, I'm the person that's going to bring it up. Future odds right now. um, Penn State goes to Ohio State. That game, future odds right now, is currently a pick That is a... It's a straight-up pick em. So no home point favorites for Ohio State. Makes total right sense now. to me. Makes total yep. sense to me. So that game, that game right down the middle. And then looking ahead to the Michigan-Ohio State game, currently Michigan, three-and-a-half-point favorite. Give me Michigan minus three-and-a-half all day. Mind you, Michigan was catching points at the start of the season in that game. That is flipped. Ohio State was actually favored before the season started. Obviously, before the season started, there was nowhere to bet it. That's just future projection lines. But there are actually places where you can put bets on this now. And you can actually bet Ohio State plus three and a half or Michigan minus three and a half. You're crazy to do so because of injuries that can take place between now and then. But all things considered, both teams staying completely healthy. Michigan is going to dominate that team. And people, this like rhetoric of Ohio State not being what they need to in the trenches and and all that stuff. This is not three Michigan or like fans just being homers. I I follow multiple Ohio State fan pages and and people who cover the team because of the socials for the show. They are nervous. They are very nervous about the offensive line. They are very nervous about the linebacking core. They know there are some serious holes with this team. Averaging 1.9 yards per carry against the 42nd-ranked rush defense in the country. Uh, Penn State and Michigan both have top five total defenses in the country. Yeah, they're they're the number one, two, and three scoring defenses in the country mm-hmm. right now. Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State. They're number one, two, and three. Um, real quick, Corey, because you you're you tend to be the most pessimistic and most optimistic about Ohio State. I, I just want to know where where you are. And I'm not going to relate the two together or whatever. I just want to know where you are as thinking what Ohio State is going to be for the rest of the season. And how are you feeling they stack up against the other top competitors in the nation, not just in the Big Ten? Whole picture because currently they're the third-ranked team in the country. Do you view them as that, or do you view them as a team that you would knock down a couple pegs from there? Uh, on a personal note, I I think I'm horrified of the fact that I'm the most confident I've 
ever been going into a Michigan Ohio State game. Now, where that is, I don't really know. I'm just playing the you know Ohio State has to go to Michigan sort of thing. But I'm really having a hard time, like kind of trying to make sense of everything because look at the way I, I look and see this Ohio State team, especially at the quarterback position, a lot of the way that I look at the 2021 Michigan team with McNamara because it was like okay like maybe not the most impressive wins but they were winning so I think of the Nebraska game right where essentially Michigan had that game lost or had was in a position for them to you know at least get to a nail biter and then Adrian Martinez fumbles the ball and Michigan takes it back they kick the field goal to go ahead and that was a turning point and then I look to the Michigan State game where Kenneth Walker just gouged them five rushing touchdowns and ultimately was the thing that helped them you know get that toughness a little bit and then prepared them well for the Ohio State game down the road so I want to look at this Ohio State game and say they played horrible they got pushed around a little bit there's this question of toughness that's still there but they still won by 20 points how do you how do you handle that th- like that situation? Because I think you can look at that Nebraska game and say, Nebraska kind of threw that game away against Michigan, and Maryland had plenty of opportunities to do the same thing against Ohio State. So, like, at the end of the day, should we be focused on the wins more or how the wins happen? And I think you can only you can only get the answer to that once you see these two teams or the teams that are in question, you know, come and play each other so that's kind of where i'm at with everything and i don't want my bias to completely show am i confident as a michigan fan seeing what i'm seeing on the field against ohio state yes but i'm not going to say and throw it all away because college football a lot of the time makes zero sense and i feel like we've had a lot of games that made sense this year thus far all right let's hop over to the other team in the big Ten East that we were just talking about michigan absolutely trounces Minnesota in the battle for the little brown jug which stays in Ann Arbor they beat Minnesota 52 to 10 Michigan about 73 or 74 players traveled to Minnesota every single player except one the backup long snapper played in this game that's how bad this was the starters were out before the fourth quarter started JJ had 219 passing yards uh, one passing touchdown, two rushing. Corum had 69 rushing yards. Nice. And a touchdown. Um, I don't know how much there is to say. Like Michigan and Penn State just feel with how they're winning their games, they just feel like they're on a collision course for who's going to represent the Big Ten East in the Big Ten title game. And I know. I'm kind of writing off Ohio State early. But you just look at how Penn State and Michigan are handling their business. Man, Michigan just looks flawless. They are making this look easy. They are are so in sync. They're so in rhythm. They don't miss a step. Everyone's where they need to be. They don't make mistakes. They don't get penalized. They've actually improved, too. Like their defensive line, they're finding dudes on the defensive line. Mason Graham, Josiah Stewart, Moore. Those guys are making plays. The offensive line has improved now that they moved Henderson to left tackle. So they already looked great. That, that and now they're looking better. So underrated. So underrated. Moving Henderson to left tackle. That offensive line has played night and day better. Night and day. It's been it's been unbelievable. And, and listen, real quick. 
I touched on it for the Ohio State-Penn State game. I'll touch on it for the Michigan-Penn State game. Once again, I'm the guy who loves the numbers. Hi, it's me. <clears throat> the betting numbers. Alex is your guy for, like, the stat numbers. <laughs> Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. <laughs> don't get us demonetized. Um, oh, wait, we don't make any money. <laughs> so, at, at, real quick. Uh, 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 so on the same note, Michigan travels to Penn State, just like Penn State travels to Ohio State. Michigan travels to Penn State. Currently, Michigan is a two-and-a-half-point favorite in that game. And thank the Lord Almighty that Fox has first dibs on that game because they are not going to give it up, and it is staying the big noon kickoff. That is for sure. So we do not have to worry about that. That game is going to kick off at noon. If it was a night game in a whiteout, I would be probably pooping my pants. I'm already kind of doing it anyway. I'm still nervous. I'm not excited about yeah. playing Penn State. They look great. No, I am. I am excited about playing them. I think it's going to be – I'm so ready for Michigan to play a caliber opponent, a high caliber opponent, and that's when it's going to take place, which still isn't until into November. So I I really do I, – I think – those are the two best teams in the Big Ten East. But especially with Michigan being a road favorite in that game, what they just went out and did against Minnesota. And, and if you listen to P.J. Fleck, P.J. Fleck, un, he walked straight to the podium and he said, you know, real quick, I'm going to, you know, just get started, whatever. He said, I just told the people on the radio, that's the best team I've seen in 11 years of coaching. They are the deepest team. They are the mo- they are the best coached team. They don't make mistakes. And Michigan just goes out there and executes, especially these last two weeks when it feels like they finally have put it together, a brand of near-flawless football. And right now, to me, honestly, it's them in Georgia. And I think that they are on a collision course for the national championship game. I'm going to answer this question very briefly as a fan, because for the longest time, uh, and especially with you throw Detroit sports into the mix, you've been looking for a team that's just been head and shoulders better than everybody else. And we look at other college football teams like that 2019 LSU team that was just like, job's not finished. We're going to go out. We're going to play football. I think this Minnesota game, and starting with the Nebraska game last week, this was like the moment where it's like, oh, like they're going out there and they're expecting to win and they know they're going to win and they are proving it too on the score sheet. Now it's against Minnesota. That's fine. But like Michigan didn't even touch the ball on offense and they were up seven zero in this game immediately at the snap of a finger. I, 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 I have never seen a team that I root for that is playing at this caliber right now. They are playing for each other. You look at post-game interviews, and I think that's important too as you look at these teams that are going on later into the year. And even a guy like Donovan Edwards, who hasn't had the caliber of season that he's had last year, he's on the sidelines rooting these guys on. And he's like, you know, he's keeping his head on the mission of this team, and that is to go places, win a national championship, you have guys who are not performing at the top level doing that. You've got a special team and they are playing special football right now. Real quick. I'm so sorry. 
I just wanted to add this. <clears throat> that 2021 Michigan team that went to the playoff and won their first Big Ten title, all three of us will always say, we love that team. That team brought Michigan back to relevance out of the depth of what was college football hell. If this current Michigan football team, which does not have the star power that that Michigan team did at different positions, defensive end, you know, stuff, they had some really, really outstanding players on that Michigan team, they would annihilate them. 100%. Annihilate them. 100% they if, would. They would run them off the field. This team would run that team off the field. That's how I, I'm really just trying to press in to all of you people listening. This Michigan team is built to absolutely condense the game into where they want to play, and they will not allow you to play outside of it. And when you think they're going to get tired or they're going to do whatever, they are the deepest team in college football. And I will say that above Georgia. Georgia might have the higher end talent, which is fine. And, and they might win another natty. But Michigan is the deepest team in college football, bar none. Meanwhile, the boat is leaking over in Minnesota. They're rowing in circles over there. Their guys are dropping like flies. They're taking on water and they can't get it out fast enough. The Minnesota doesn't look good. And you know what? I hate to say this because we love this guy and we love his name. Ethan Kaliuk Manis might. Hey, yeah, it's me. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm the problem. He's it, it might be him. It might be him. Uh, just we can we can solid we can definitely remove Mike from that sentence. He's, he's bad. <laughs> I think I think we have to remove the nicknames for him until he proves he's worthy of them and he's he's a young guy he can get it figured out maybe but if you're rooting for uh, this minnesota team i'm sorry they just don't look great they're not super fun to watch um you're you're just kind of you're trying to convince yourself that pj flex still the guy if you're a minnesota fan and going to next year hoping that he can bounce back it's tough sledding or tough rowing i should say in minnesota for the golden gophers right now so Future looks cloudy in Minnesota. Uh, let's hop over to a team that are they now in the driver's seat of the Big Ten West? Wisconsin defeats Rutgers twenty-four to thirteen. Rutgers put up a good fight against these guys, but Wisconsin is starting to find their identity on offense, and I think they're listening to us because they're running the football and they're running it all the time with everybody. Rushing yards against Rutgers. Here we go. It, it only took six weeks, you guys. It only took six weeks for one of them wait, to listen to the podcast. Wait, wait, wait. You mean – you? hold on. I just want to make sure that I'm hearing this correctly. You mean to tell me the, the, the college football team that gave us Jonathan Taylor, Melvin Gordon, uh, the team that was built on running the football is having success in their offense running the football? Is that what you're telling me? Phil, Phil Longo finally figured out that you can't switch to the air raid in three games or in one season. It takes time. So you might as well coach to the talent you have, and it's all in the legs. All the talent is below the waist for Wisconsin. Listen, they did still they did still throw the ball. They they still threw the ball 31 times, which 
against Rutgers feels like a bit too much. Uh, so not great. But uh, Allen got 21 rushes, 101 yards, and a touchdown. He averaged 4.8 per carry, which is just like, guys, this is what we've been asking for. This guy, ha- minimum touches is 20 a game. Can can we just agree from now on? Like, if if you are on the coaching staff at Wisconsin, you need to have a counter on that just tells you, oh, wait, uh, guys, Braylon Allen needs to touch the ball more. He doesn't have enough touches to get through this quarter. Um, and another uh, another quick point on Wisconsin. Yes, they are definitely the favorites to win the West, and it's not really close in my mind specifically. Also, I I I know that the final score of this game was twenty four to thirteen. Wisconsin played really really well defensively in this game. Look at the offensive stats for Rutgers; none of them look good. So uh, Wisconsin played a complete football game in this one. They didn't look great passing the ball. Uh, Tanner Mordecai didn't play a great game. But he doesn't have to. But he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. No, and he just needs to not turn the football over. Don't turn the football over. Hand it off to Braylon Allen. And good things will come your way. So in my mind, yes, I think Wisconsin is bouncing back from that, you know, loss out west. This is which looks like a really good loss now, by the way, like Washington State's a good football team. Yeah, I did. They lose this weekend. They did, but they still came in top 20 in the AP. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think I think Wisconsin is kind of solidifying themselves as the best team in the West, but they just have to keep doing what they're doing. Uh, Side note, um, Rutgers football. I believe is uh, five and one against the spread this year. Is that true? That's a good spread bet. Very good spread bet. So uh, all y'all crazy folk in New Jersey, keep hammering the Rutgers spread. Yeah, Kyle Manungai only had 16 yards to your point, Ethan, about Wisconsin playing a, a complete game and it, it looking a little better than the score said. And Tanner Mordecai, on top of just not turning the ball over, Use your legs too, Tanner. He had 50 yards rushing in this game, and he's starting to he's starting to do that over these last couple of weeks. Use his legs too. So Wisconsin's doing a lot of damage on the ground, and you know what? I'll be excited to see them go into Columbus and play against Ohio State. Just like real competing styles there, should be a fun game. Wisconsin, you're in the driver's seat. Keep both hands on the wheel, and you might enter. You might end up in Indianapolis. I just want to add a quick note uh, because next week Iowa is traveling to Wisconsin and we will go to get to the picks in the next episode. But it, it just feels like one of those referendum games where it's like, if Wisconsin is going to announce themselves as, Hey, we are the best team in the big 10 West. That's one of those games where I don't need the final score to be 35 to 10 or something like that. I don't need it. I just need you to flat out win. I need you to win the game and make it feel like you won the game because a lot of Iowa games feel like Iowa lost. I want it to feel at the end of that game like like Wisconsin won. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, speaking of Iowa, they beat Purdue 20 to 14. Uh, Something I found on Twitter from this game. 
So this dude, Austin, quote, Big Mac McClellan. I hope he didn't give himself that nickname. That would just be terrible. But he said at the Iowa game that Herky the Hawkeye tried using a new hot dog cannon during the game to shoot, like, you know, tinfoil wrapped hot dogs into the stands. It was not going well. And so they started just throwing the hot dogs into the crowd. And the hot dogs were, the foil was unwrapping and the hot dogs and buns were separating in midair. So people were grabbing hot dog and bun and having to like self-assemble a hot dog in the stands because the hot dog gun was not, not cutting it. As if watching Iowa football wasn't bad enough. Now they're chucking wieners at your face. <laughs> hey, did, did you guys see that last play? Whoosh! Weeder to the face. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Loose wiener hit fan in section 14. I I went to the Iowa game and I watched my team play terribly and I got a black guy from a wiener smacking me across the face. I can't imagine a worse Saturday. Uh, Iowa point per game tracker. Officially updated to 21.83 points per game. This is officially sad. Rip the Band-Aid off. Just tell Brian he doesn't have to show up next week. He is not in the 25. It's not happening. They could could just let Hill make every play call out on the field, and they would perform just as good or better than they do with him calling plays from the sideline. You know what my biggest fear would be as an Iowa fan? If you get to the end of the year, you don't hit 25 points per game, And the athletic director goes, you know what? You didn't have your starting quarterback for most of the year. Like, obviously you're not going to hit 25 points per game. We'll let you have another shot. We'll let you have another shot. Do you have any worry? I I actually feel kind of legitimately worried that that might happen. Zero, zero percent chance. There's these things called boosters and schools really like to keep them, uh, giving money to them. And they will burn down Kinnick Stadium. They might burn down the Children's Hospital if they don't fire that man. <laughs> I'm being sarcastic, people. This is children. a comedy show. The children will stop doing the wave if Brian is still on the field next year. They'll, oh. it'll, next year, it'll turn in. It'll turn into the moon. All the kids will be mooning. <laughs> Brian Ferrin. It'll turn into the finger. You just you just you just see <laughs> him in you, you just see him in the rooms. Their just arms are folded and just like <laughs> you know. Yeah, I can I can see it now. I can see it now. Purdue's offensive line, Swiss cheese in this game. Six sacks and twelve tackles for loss for Iowa in this one. You're not gonna win a lot of games like that when Hudson Card is literally on the grass for most of it. Iowa had a good game on the ground. They have to in order to win games. 181 yards, 5.2 carry. And the official QBR for Deacon Hill in this game, anyone, any takers, any takers? I I want to place a guess. Yes. I'm going to guess that his QBR was 59. 59? Yeah. Uh, Corey? 21. He had a QBR of Two. Oh my! God. All right. That, okay. 
that's incredibly sad. Kudos to Iowa's defense. Your your quarterback was literally a potato out there, and you still managed to win a Big Ten conference game. I I will I want to say one thing, like an actual like critical analysis of this game. I I've loved this guy. I thought he was going to be big. Hudson Card is a turnover machine. We just got it. We just got to we got to put that out there right now. I mean, he's I mean, they also ask him to throw the ball 40. This times. is true. And like I get the and one That's not a joke. He literally threw 40 passes. But when he's not throwing picks, he's fumbling as well. Like you're not going to win L- Listen. I, I would love to argue with you about it. I just care so little about either one of these teams that I'm just not going to do it I, for the sake of the audience. I love the spoiler makers, okay? I really, I'm really pulling for them. I'm really pulling for them for next week for Ohio State, but I – it's You and Doug Carr should start start a fan club. I just – but I'm, I'm hope is dwindling. Nebraska beats Illinois 20-7. Corey – Take your victory lap, my friend. Illinois is bad. They're so bad. I tried watching this game, and I was like, oh, this might be a good game, and it was just garbage on my television. I literally left someplace because I was like, A, kind of tired, but B, I'm like, oh, I'll just go home and watch Nebraska-Illinois. I love Sickos football. You know me, guys. Like I, this is, I adore it. This game was painful to watch and really disappointing because you're going to think that Matt Rule is going to turn this thing around at some point, but – Golly, Altmeyer's bad. He inherited. Okay, we we knew going into the season he inherited zero talent, and the talent that they did have transferred out. Correct, but this is this isn't to dig Nebraska because they won the game. Like, yes, okay, good job. I I told you guys, Illinois lost so much, and to expect them just to keep the keep the train going the same way that they were doing last year while having all of the pieces in place to win the West, how on earth would you expect them to be any sort of the same production as they were last year? I, golly, Altmaier's not the answer. When do you start questioning if Bielema is the answer? Because this is, is this his fourth year? I mean, you're coming off such a good year for Illinois, though, that he bought himself three years worth of time with last year alone. But to be this bad after that? Yeah. I think these programs are used to that because they just don't reload like like that. Now, if it looks just as bad next year, maybe you start asking questions, but I think he bought himself time. Hey, shout out to this uh, man. I'm going to butcher his name. Hen- Hen- Heinrich Harburg, this new starting quarterback for Nebraska. He didn't play the first two games, or he played very, very sparingly. He is Nebraska's leading passer and rusher for the season. Like, the dude is straight up winning them these football games. So, kudos to him. He's playing lights out for Nebraska. and they get Yeah, nice he play. played like a champ against Michigan. Okay. 21 rushing yards for Illinois in this game. Yikes. 21. I... I Nebraska's got a good rush defense. I get that. 21 rushing yards at home. That's that is an insane st- that's the craziest stat I've seen all year. I'm I wanted I'm going to do something I very rarely do. We've talked enough about Illinois and Nebraska. Uh, 
Last score to give for the week, Northwestern beats Howard in a nail biter, twenty three to twenty. All right. They're back. Well let's let's I'm pulling out the I'm pulling out my t shirt. You pull it out my Northwestern merch. Put it on right now. I'm pretty sure they were like the they finally gave a line right before kickoff for this game, and Northwestern was like a twenty three and a half point favorite. Ugh. Never. Yeah. All right. Yeah. This closing argument that I want to present to the both of you has to do with the Michigan State coaching search. And I've seen a lot of fans, a lot of Michigan State pages out there clamoring, just drooling, chomping at the bit, asking Michigan State to go after Urban Meyer. Okay. Yes. This question, hold on, this question is not going to be what you think it is. My question is from a fan perspective, okay? Should should Michigan State fans, in the aftermath of Mel Tucker and the scandal, should Michigan State fans want Urban Meyer to be their next head football coach? Yes, 100%. Yes, yes, yes. 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 And if you can get it, you pay him $13.5 million a year and you make him the highest paid football coach in America. 1,000% yes. He's won everywhere he's gone. The two large-scale programs that he's gone to, Florida, when he came into Florida, remind me, was he taking over a good situation in Florida or were they absolutely trash? They were absolutely trash. That's right. Dog water university national championship year three with the program. He goes to Ohio state, took over a much higher echelon program at Ohio state in a much better position. They were instantly good his very first year and then national championship. Also, I believe him at Ohio state, for a coach who coached at least five seasons is the highest win percentage of any coach in NCAA history, him coaching at Ohio State. The answer is unequivocally 100% yes. He is one of the two best recruiters of all time. He'd be far and away number one if it wasn't for Nick Saban. He would be number one on that list. And he is an incredible college football head coach there is there isn't even every single msu fan that i know like the answer for them is 1000 percent yes but they just they they doubt the relevancy of like even talking about it but of course the answer is 1000 percent yes and it terrifies me as a michigan fan i can't even answer this question without a thousand percent bias is this man literally one of the greatest college football coaches of all time i think statistics show that winning two national championships at two different schools i think is a feat that's only been accomplished a a handful of times you can count them one hand for sure um but i think it's three three different coaches in history Nick saban urban meyer and then somebody else right yeah it's nick saban it, but they're the only two in the modern. Correct. Era. So, so that's the conversation. You're with. You're already connected to, to Nick Saban. So yes, 
and the guy is a proven winner everywhere he's gone. So I that's just an echo chamber from Ethan. This guy is a slime bag. He just I I I hate having to talk about this man. And the worst part about it is he's trying so hard to convince us that he's this good guy. And it, it's 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 old. It's old. If you're if you're a rival, you're gonna hate him, of course, because he's good. And then you're gonna hate him even more for all this personal stuff. And that doesn't matter on the football field. I get that. I understand. I'm just venting at this point. Yes, of course, Michigan State for football related reasons should want this guy. But look at every place that he's that he's gone to. Even to Jacksonville. He's like feeling up on some girl in a bar, like after a game. Jacksonville's Jacksonville's the NFL. I, no, it I, has nothing to do with I, that's. I wasn't talking about a success in college. I said, but oh, you're talking about the. I'm talking about the personal conduct. stuff in the the circus. I mean, I think for the circus that would follow it, and especially if things for whatever reason don't go right, um, not going to be great. And then also too, he left Florida, NCAA violations. He left Ohio State. There was some stuff that was going on there as well. But I just like. The whole leadership and character thing at Ohio State, it's like, oh, like you, everyone needs to know I'm a good guy. And if you're really trying that hard to convince people you're that good of a guy, you're probably not. And given. OK, but this isn't this isn't the conversation is not. I are, Do you think Urban Meyer is a good guy? That's that's not the. And I know you've already but that said plays a factor, good of a coach. But that plays. How okay. does that not play a factor? Because as a fan, I care about one thing. One winning. If if I told you, if I told you Michigan can hire a coach that is completely unproven, is rising the ranks, he's okay, and the general consensus on him is meh, and he'll probably win you eight games a season. Or you can hire this guy who has some serious. Give me the up and comer. Give me the up and comer every time. See. I don't think I think you are a part of 5% of a fan base that would say that. I think 95% of people are on crack then. I I do not want to have to worry that every off season I'm going to get videos of my head coach grinding up on girls and bars like Corey said and freaking kicking punters and there was even a video a couple of weeks ago early on in the season of a Fox broadcast where off to the side, you literally saw Urban Meyer like talking up a cheerleader at the game they were at. Like the dude is such a low life human being. He brings scandal everywhere he goes. And to bring the conversation back to if I'm a Michigan State fan, do I want Urban Meyer as my next head coach? Let's see. I'm rooting for a university that has dealt with the Larry Nasser scandal. I am now rooting for a university who just fired a head coach for conduct embarrassing to the university, also having to do with a sexual assault uh, scandal. Now I'm going to bring in a coach who left Florida because he had family issues and headaches, left Ohio State because he helped cover up domestic violence, and then left Jacksonville because he was grinding up. (laughs) And then left Jacksonville because he kicked a player and was grinding up on a girl at a bar. Hmm. Next, like Michigan State's dealt with enough. This dude does not deserve another head coaching job anywhere. And I don't care if it's my team that is in shambles and is struggling to make a bowl game. I didn't, 
there were people from Michigan who were clamoring for Urban Meyer when Jim Harbaugh was struggling a few years ago. I said, hard pass. Do not let Urban Meyer anywhere close to my school's campus. Would he bring production on the field? Yes, but I think Michigan State right now is the only program that probably can't bring him in given everything else that's happened with them. It, you, I think you guys are seriously underestimating what winning and a winning culture does. It, it forgives and it's gross. all sins. And it's gross. It forgives- it's disgusting. And, and I, I'm not saying I'm not saying that that's incorrect. I'm just saying that if Michigan State fans had their druthers, he if you put out a poll and you gave the top five coaches that Michigan State could semi realistically hire, and you said you can pick whatever one you want, he'd get ninety percent. He of would, the vote. maybe maybe eighty, but he would get far and away the most. He would. And he's gross, and I hate him. That's it. He, yep. I don't like him. I mean, I obviously don't like him. Okay, he went five and zero against my team, so I don't like him. Um, That's for sure. Actually, five and one. Michigan beat them in the Tebow Heisman year in the uh, when he was on the Gators. So get rocked. What bowl? What bowl game was that? It was like the it was the Capital Orange. Yeah, it was the Capital. Oh, Orange. Capital One. Mm-hmm. Capital One. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, anyways, we can end it there because I don't want to talk about Urban Meyer ever again. Urban Meyer's the... gross and I hate him. I don't care. I don't care if I'm biased. I hate the man. Ugh. Like and follow. Thanks for listening. <laughs>